Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Hopefully today all the technology will work. Last week we got through the songs and uh, this live stream going out just quit. Um, but we were able to get the 1030 service out last week. So, uh, so nobody, nobody caught that huge embarrassing thing that happened in the middle of the first service. That... Pray with me, will you? Lord, truly, life is worth living because you live, because you live in us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that we can live in you. Father, I thank you that you alone are worthy of our praise, of our honor, of our glory. I thank you for being that God. Father, I know that some of us have come here this morning with burdens, with fears, with anxieties. Yet, Lord, we know that we can leave them here with you trusting that you are working, trusting that you are moving, trusting that you are hearing our prayers. Father, I, I just, I, I'm a little overwhelmed this morning with your goodness, with your mercy, with your grace, with your love for each of us, with your love for your church, with your love for me. Father, I, I just thank you as inadequate. I can't say it enough. I can't say it any differently. I can't say it big enough to tell you how much I love you and I thank you that we love you and we thank you. Father, thank you for every person that's in here right now this morning, every person that's watching us online or will watch us later after this time. I pray, Lord, that this time would be a blessing to each one here, to each one who sees it. Lord, whether it be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, I pray that your spirit would be evident regardless of how we experience today. We pray these things, Lord, because we know you are good. We know that you are worthy, and we pray them in your name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. So are we waving still? Still waving, still wave at somebody across the room. We're getting there. We're so, so close. We're getting there. And in the meantime, Pastor Rich is going to come, and he's going to share some things and then bring us the word. Thank you, Pastor Judy. So thank you so much. Um, we truly are blessed here. I, I, I talk sometimes with other pastors and hear what they're going through, and uh, especially during uh, times with uh, COVID and all those kinds of things. And, and uh, not every church is as blessed with the musical gifts that our congregation has been. I'm so thrilled. We've got so many folks who can get up here, who can sing, who can play, who can lead us. Uh, it really is a gift. So thank you again uh, for sharing those with us today. And uh, if, uh, if you'd like, those of you in the room, you can go back and there's little green cards that you can fill out and drop in the offering box. All the rest of us, uh, we can all go to livinghope.info connect and can fill out that little digital connect card. Uh, or we can go to uh, livinghope.info give and do the little online giving thing. Uh, those are two ways uh, for you to connect with us, whether you're uh, watching and connecting with us online or whether you're here with us in the room, uh, you can do that. Um, that's one thing I'm, I'm thankful for too. Uh, there were so many negative things that have come out of this whole pandemic that we've been living through for way too long. One good thing is it finally got us and a whole lot of other churches doing the little camera thing and, and connecting with all of you who aren't able to be with us on a Sunday morning. And also uh, 
so many of us have then started connecting online who weren't connecting that way before. And uh, that's a great way to connect, to let us know how to pray for you, how we can be thanking God with you, to give feedback. And, uh, and of course, if you want to give, uh, we had been doing the online giving thing before, but, uh, but a whole lot more of you have picked it up since, you know, we weren't able to be in the room for so long. And uh, uh, that's just a good thing. I'm thankful for whoever came up with that that thing because it used to be back in the day Stacy and I would have to uh, remember one of us had to remember to bring the checkbook and then uh, had to remember to write a check and had to remember to put it in the box and all that stuff and now we can just go in and say yes this is how much we know already how much God wants us to give let's just plan it let's set it to go and there it goes and, uh, and so every month that gift just happens and uh, we don't bump into situations like we used to where we're like you brought the checkbook right no I thought you were grabbing the- oh man neither one of us brought it oh we'll try to remember next week um, we just don't bump into that anymore. So, and I'm thankful for that. So, and I'm thankful for all of you who continue to give so generously and faithfully. Those of you who are able to be here, those of you who are still connecting with us online for one reason or another, uh, thank you so much for your continued faithfulness. Um, it has been fun to see the ways that God can use all of our resources to do good in the world, both here and around the world. And uh, we'll have more. I was just talking with somebody this last week about some of the Habitat for Humanity stuff that we've been uh, that we did this last year that we have opportunity to do this coming year. Um, all kinds of good things happen uh, as we give, as we let God use what, what we have, as we offer it to him. So, which actually kind of connects this morning a little bit with this morning's message. Um, last week, you know, we were talking out about um, <laughs> kings and how problematic they can be, which felt appropriate on the 4th of July to say, you know, like, yeah, we don't like those kings. We'd, we'd rather be rid of them. Uh, and we looked at a period in Israel's history, in our, in our scriptures, where they were doing the opposite. They were making the opposite move. They are saying, we want a king. It's uh, found in 1 Samuel chapter 8 was that episode that we looked at. And we looked at how that can be problematic when we want a king, when we want somebody else, because we tend to then offload our responsibilities onto them. Instead of us doing that work of listening to God and doing what he says, letting God be our king, when we try to put somebody else in that spot in our lives, that's a real problem. You know, when we just say, oh, I'll just trust the pastor to listen to God and tell me what God wants me to do, or I'll just listen to my parents and let them, or that teacher, or that guy on the radio, or, you know, sometimes we put our hopes in politicians and presidents and that sort of thing, just like they were putting their hope in a king. But anytime we offload that responsibility, we saw, like, God gets frustrated because God wants to be king. God wants to be the one that, that each of us listen to and then do what he says. That's how we can keep God in that role, recognize God as our king, as our leader. Uh, so I don't know if any of you have been praying that prayer that we learned from Samuel when he was a little boy in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, this last week, we looked at it where he's, he was taught by someone older and wiser than him to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I don't know. I, I've been trying to pray that more often this past week since last Sunday. I, I try to practice what I preach, right? That's a good thing. Uh, when the pastor is listening to himself on Sunday morning, I've been trying to do that this last week. You know, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And um, I mean, it's something I've been trying to practice for years, but have, have any of you been trying to do that? I hope you have, because I believe that God is speaking to each and every one of us, that God is guiding us through this life, that God is helping us to know what he would have us do and what life could look like, to guide us through those tricky bits that we find ourselves stuck in the middle of sometimes, that God is willing and ready to speak if we will be listening and if we will then do what he says. God is happy to guide, happy to speak. 
So I wanted us to continue kind of in the life of Samuel. I've been reading the rest of his life's story this past week, uh, all the way through to, uh, I think it ends kind of at the end of, it was it First Samuel chapter 28 maybe. Uh, his story actually gets a little longer than some others because he, he dies and then he pops up again afterwards. But uh, we might get into that in a couple weeks maybe. We'll see. Uh, but today there's this episode in chapter 15 that I want us to look at where, uh, remember last week, people were asking for a king and God says, well, let them know what that's going to look like. It's not going to be pretty, but if they want a king, they can have one. And then, uh, and then God directs Samuel to a man named Saul, who stands head and shoulders above everybody else, which it reminds me of our, our presidential elections here in the United States, right? Don't we often like, elect really tall people to be president? Uh, there have been studies done on that. Like The taller you are, the more authoritative you seem or something, which for a guy who's like 5'8", it's not really encouraging. But anyway, um, that's why I stand on this platform on Sunday mornings. But, uh, but Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else, and God points him out to Samuel and says, that's the one that you're to anoint as the first king over Israel. And so he does. He takes oil, he pours it over his head as a symbol of God's, the presence of God's spirit. And God's spirit, the spirit of the Lord, is with Saul to lead the people in battle, to lead them in all sorts of different ways. And he has the potential to do well, but he keeps not doing well. He keeps taking things into his own hands that, that aren't his to do. And finally, in chapter 15, which doesn't seem like it's taken very long, chapter 8 to chapter 15, uh, we get this moment. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Samuel, once again, listening to God and then doing what he says. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry. He cried out to the Lord all that night. I don't know if some of you can relate to that. You're like, yeah, I've had that. I'm angry, and I'm just like letting God know I'm angry. You know, I don't think he's angry with God. I think he's kind of angry with Saul and angry that he had to be a part of this whole thing and angry with the mess that, that they've all been put in because of Saul. And, and uh, I, I see that and kind of think, yeah, that's okay. It's all right sometimes. Sometimes you need to, to be angry and to talk to somebody, and God is always there. So all that night, Samuel's crying out to the Lord. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but was told, Saul's gone, on, gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, hey, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions, <laughs> which just strikes me as funny because just a moment ago, God is telling Samuel he's not carried out my instructions. Saul shows up and says, oh, hey, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Here's where I should probably back up a little bit and tell you what the scenario was to know why this was so upsetting to Samuel that there were sheep and cattle that he could hear. The Amalekites uh, were some of their wicked neighbors, and God had instructed Saul through Samuel to go and utterly wipe them out kill every last one of them, young, old, didn't matter. Kill all the Amalekites and all their stuff, not to take any of it as plunder, not to take any of it as theirs. And here as Saul meets with, as Samuel meets with Saul, it's very clear he can hear the cattle. He hasn't destroyed all of their stuff. And we find out in just a moment, he's, he's also spared the king to kind of parade him through as a trophy, as, as a conquered victim when he was supposed to put him to death. And I've just got to say right now, man, this is a disturbing part of Scripture. Like, I know for some of you it's stories like this in the Bible that make you want to push the Bible away and say, man, I don't want anything to do with that book. Holy cow. God wanted them to, God instructed them to, like, kill everybody. 
old and young and just totally wipe them out. It's like genocidal. Why would God say that? And if that's the God in the Bible that we're supposed to be worshiping, I don't want anything to do with that God. Holy cow, that's a mess. I'm right there with you, okay? Just just to be honest, this is not like a part of scripture that I I read this and think, yeah, let's do it, you know. No, this is is awful. And um, unfortunately, we're not going to take the time to tease that out today. Um, like, what do we do with that? But I do want to let you know that's something that Christians have been wrestling with as long as they've been Christians. Because in Jesus, we see a very different picture of God than this one. We see a God who continues to be patient and continues to be merciful. And a God who, who um, well, we see this in the Old Testament time and time again, too. I mean, God describes himself to Moses at the burning bush as a God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So stories like this, if they turn your stomach, if stories like this make you think, ooh, I don't know if I like that, that that's okay not to like that. I don't think you're supposed to like that. If, if instead you're like, yeah, we should have more of that, then, then I think we should talk, okay, <laughs> if you're like excited about that. Uh, because we need to pray, we need to help God work on you a little bit there. Um, because I... This is problematic, all right? I just want to acknowledge that and just want to admit it, all right? That's not the point of this passage. So let's, let's keep going. So, so Saul says, we, we brought the soldiers, brought them from the Amalekites, these sheep and cattle, spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest, which I can't help but hear. is like, oh, we totally destroyed the rest, but I don't think that's how he was saying it. Enough, Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Oh, tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. So, wait, so you didn't completely destroy them. You brought one. Anyway, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. That's where I want to spend the time today, is in that little bit that Samuel said to Saul right there. Especially that line, to obey is better than sacrifice. Um, Now, I... I understand some of you are like, oh, I can't believe you're just going to brush aside the whole you know, like, genocidal command and all that kind of stuff. All right? And I don't want to brush it aside. I do want to recognize real quick, though, that like, Saul is not like some uh, like, peacenik here or something. He's not, he's not saying, like, well, you know, that command seemed kind of over the top. I didn't want to kill everybody. Or I didn't want to destroy everything. He doesn't, he doesn't object at all. He, he says, no, I, I did it, kind of. I did it mostly. He didn't object to the command at all. He just didn't carry it out completely. Uh, 
if you keep on reading in this chapter later on, like right after this, Saul is like, oh, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't, have, I, let the, I let the soldiers, you know, he's been blaming the soldiers all like they kept the best. And like, I, I let them kind of do that and I shouldn't have done that. I should have been the leader. Uh, I should have uh, stuck to what God commanded instead of kind of going along with what they wanted. I, you know, I let them pull me along. I let them lead me down this path. And sure enough, he should have led the way. He should have been obedient. You know, last week we said, if God is going to be king, then we're going to listen to what he says and we're going to do what he says. We're going to let God be king. Not just an advisor that we listen to sometimes and we take his advice or we don't, like he's some kind of you know, advice columnist in the sky. We're going to let him be king, which means he gets to make those decisions. And we trust and follow him. And Saul wasn't willing to do that. And so God rejects him as king. And that's when the story moves on to, to David as the next king, described as someone after God's own heart. Now, David was full of flaws himself, but he was someone who later on, I almost included this in the message, but I was running out of room, even with the bonus material on the back that we're not going to get to. Uh, you know, David in Psalm 51, after his major screw-up with, uh, we don't have this for the screens or anything, but uh, in Psalm 51, after his major screw-up with uh, killing Uriah and taking his wife Bathsheba and, and uh, all of that, um, when he's confronted about it, his heart breaks, he confesses, and he says in Psalm 51, he kind of plays the same, this same song. He says, "If God, you don't desire the, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. It's a, it's a broken spirit. That's what you want from me, and that's what I have to give. I am so sorry. Would you, would you wash away my sin because of your compassion, because of your grace, because of your faithful love? Would you, would you forgive me? It's a theme, this, uh, this idea that obedience is better than sacrifices that runs throughout the prophets. Uh, not just here is Samuel, is not the only one to say this. But God sends prophet after prophet after prophet to his people down through their, throughout their story. And to continue to, to draw them back to him and to explain what they're going through. And repeatedly, one of the songs that they sing is that God isn't super excited about your sacrifices. God wants your obedience. God wants you to let him be king, to do what he says. Not just show up at the temple on feast days and offer your sacrifices, which for us is pretty easy to translate, right? I mean, God isn't just interested in us showing up on a Sunday morning or tuning in on a Sunday or whenever you're tuning in and, uh, you know, watching a service or listening to a service or having an emotional moment. God is interested in the life that we live. Are we listening to him and are we doing what he says? Jeremiah is one of the prophets uh, that addresses this. In Jeremiah chapter 7, we read, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Take your burnt offerings and your other sacrifices and eat them yourselves. When I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it was not burnt offerings and sacrifices I wanted from them. This is what I told them. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Do everything as I say, and all will be well. Now, just so you know, this is a... This is from the New Living Translation, which I really like the way they worded it. And I think they get the point of what he's saying. You know, that when I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it wasn't burnt offerings and sacrifices I wanted. I wanted their obedience. If you read other translations, uh, the, the New International Version, the one I would normally use, uh, says uh, in that verse 22, um, it says something like, when I led them out of Egypt, I didn't just talk to them about burnt offerings and sacrifices, which even that is, is the translator saying, we think this is a saying, here. we think this is an expression that they're using, because you read some other translations, and it, and it just says, kind of like the original language just says, when I led your ancestors out of Egypt, I didn't tell them to offer me sacrifices and burnt offerings. I didn't talk to them about that. I talked to them about obeying me. 
And when I read those, I went ahead and included this one, saying this gets to the point. You know, like that's not what God wanted. But Jeremiah goes so far, uses, I don't know if this is like prophetic hyperbole or exaggeration or something, where God is saying, like, I didn't, even, I didn't talk to him about sacrifices. I talked to him about obeying me. At which point I'm guessing Jeremiah's audience was like, wait a second, God, like, talked a lot about sacrifices when he led us out of Egypt. Uh, if any of you have tried reading through the Bible, right, Genesis and Exodus and the story is great until you get them out in the wilderness and they start hearing all these laws from God and a whole lot of those laws have to do with like which sacrifices to offer when and what kinds of animals and where can you do this and there's all kinds of instructions about sacrifices. But the prophet Jeremiah is telling the people, look, that's not the point. That's not nearly as important what matters to God. It's like, it's like such the scale of importance is enough that God can look back to that period of time and say, well, I didn't even talk to you about that. What I cared about was your hearts, your obedience, your lives, that you would trust and follow me. It's not about offering the sacrifices. To obey is better than sacrifices. To heed, to listen is better than the fat of rams. I shouldn't leave behind Samuel too quickly. I should, I should go back to verse 23 where he says, for rebellions like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. You know, he's, he's saying, like, look, when you don't obey God, when you, when you hear what God has to say and then you don't do it, or even if you just kind of like, I mostly did it, kind of like Saul did, you know, he, he calls that rebellion. And he compares that to the sin of divination. That's not a word we use very often, is it? Divination? Like where you're trying to divine, you're trying to, uh, like there's all kinds of different ways people like try to divine the will of God. Divination is like that kind of messing with the spirits, trying to tap into spiritual forces or spiritual information, you know, not by going to God in prayer, but by some other kind of magical means or something. It's like the old Ouija board that sometimes, you know, people dabble with where they're trying to, you know, see if they can contact a, a spirit or a deceased relative or something, trying to find out something. Or they go to, they go to a, a seer or a medium or somebody to try to like find out, you know, something that some lost relative Saul himself actually gets in trouble for this later on in the story. But he's saying rebellion is like that. Where instead of going to God and letting God be in charge, we're saying, no, I'm in, I'm in charge. I'm going to be the one that tries to control the spiritual world or whatever. I'm going to be the one that tries to find out what I want. Um, I'm going to set the terms of how I interact with spiritual forces and spiritual realities. Instead of trusting God and following him. He says when we rebel, that's like we're, that's like we're kind of trying to do an end run around God. Arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. You know, idolatry is where we put something else in the place that God is supposed to have in our lives, right? That instead of God being the one that we worship and who has our allegiance, idolatry is when we put something else there. We worship something else. We give our allegiance to something else. And he says, arrogance is like that. We're, we're setting something else up as God, ourselves. <laughs> we're, we're saying like, nope, I'm in charge. I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. Thank you very much. And, and Samuel says, that's to God, from God's perspective, that's just like worshiping someone else. That's putting someone else before God. That's one of the top ten commandments, right, that he gave. Don't have any other gods before me, even if that God is yourself. So to obey is better than sacrifice. And, that, and so Jeremiah echoes that. He says, I, I wasn't so concerned about the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. I wanted your obedience. I wanted you to trust and follow me. And if you would do what I say, then all would be well. Now, Jeremiah is talking to the people at a time when they're right on the verge of 
defeat at the hands of the Babylonians. This is much later than the story of Saul. This is generations later, and uh, kings have come and gone. There have been good kings, bad kings, and, and now here they are on the verge of war. Babylon is, is approaching, and there are some who are saying, like, eh, we don't need to worry about them. We're in Jerusalem. God's temple is here. You know, we're worshiping God at the temple. We're, we, we're still making the sacrifices. God is still here. He's not going to let this temple fall or this city fall, this nation fall. We're still doing all the stuff, right? Well, he actually just, the verses right before that. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. Even now, if you quit your evil ways, I'll let you stay in your own land. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. But I'll be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Only if you stop your murdering. and Only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I'll let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever. It's like my intention was for you to live here forever. But when you keep on disobeying me, you keep on doing all these things, you know, exploiting the foreigners and orphans and widows. These are vulnerable people. He's saying you're exploiting them instead of caring for them like I've instructed you to. Instead of loving them and providing for them, you're exploiting them. You're, you're murdering. You're, you're harming yourself. You're doing yourself harm by worshiping these, these other gods, worshiping idols. Because you're doing all this stuff, I'm going to let these Babylonians win. They're going to conquer you. They're going to haul you off into exile. And, and the rest of Jeremiah talks about that and about how they're supposed to make it through. Gives them some words of hope. But this is spoken to them earlier and saying, like, you've got a chance <laughs> If you would change your ways, if you would repent, if you'd quit just relying on the fact that the temple is here, if you'd quit just telling yourself, oh, you know, I've gone to church since I was a baby, you know, I'm, I've, I've earned lots of credits on the good side of the ledger, right? You know, God's, God and me, we're tight, we're fine, we're good. It doesn't really matter if I'm listening to him today. It doesn't really matter if I'm all the way obeying what he's told me to do. God knows, you know, I'm a Christian. I've been checking that box on the forms for forever, Right? God's saying, that's not what it's about. Oh, but I, I donate, I give, I, I'm charitable, you know. That's great, but that's not what it's about. He's looking at his people, his people that he, he longed to have, you know, to bless and to give this good land and to keep them there and to be their God. And He's saying, oh, if only, if only he'd quit relying on the temple and the sacrifices and all the religious stuff. If only you would actually... Let me guide you and lead you in a, in a life that is good. If only you would treat each other with justice, then you'd be blessed. And this is repeated by prophet after prophet. I, I didn't think I'd have time to deal with it, so I put it on the back as kind of like bonus material. Uh, I got a quote from Micah chapter 6 and from Isaiah chapter 1. They're not in there on the screens or anything like that. But, uh, but if you look later at Micah chapter 6, verses 6 and 8, you know, that's the, it's the famous verse about how what's God required to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. If you, the lead into that is, is I'm saying, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? He's just kind of getting ridiculous, right? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's like, look, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. 
And Isaiah chapter 1, starting at verse 11, God just kind of gets pretty pointed. He's like, I can't stand the smell. You're burning the senses. I can't stand it. It just stinks. I can't bear your, your, your convocations, your, your religious meetings. I can't stand it anymore. Quit, quit doing it because you're not treating each other with justice. You're not living the way I've instructed you to live. You're ignoring my instructions. I'm not your God. I'm not your king. It doesn't matter what religious stuff you do. It doesn't matter how often you show up and say the words, what rituals you participate in. He says, what matters is, are you listening to God? Are you doing what he says? Are you letting God lead you? Are you truly trusting him? Or are you living life by your own terms? We talked about that last week. That's, that's not the life that God wants for us. He wants us to trust him. You can kind of sum all of it up with a little bit of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 21. You've got there in your notes, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do righteousness and justice. To live the way God instructs us to live. To do justice. To do what is right by the vulnerable people around us. That matters much more to God than the religious stuff that we do. I didn't have room to squeeze this in either. But Jesus addresses this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. You can read it later. Where he says, like, look, if you're at the temple, you're offering, you've been waiting all day. That's a long line at the temple. All right, and you've been waiting all day to offer your sacrifice. You've traveled from wherever you live. You finally made it to Jerusalem. It's finally your turn. They're calling your number. You're getting up there. You're almost there. You're like, next. You know, you've got, what did I have at the, uh, at the thing the other day? Number 26. And I kept waiting for it. You know, I was like 20. They called 23, 24. They called 30. Somebody just had a hot dog, so I guess it was faster to make. Anyway, and I was waiting for 26. And, uh, you know, so here you are. You're in Jerusalem. You've got your sacrifice. It's almost your turn. They've called the number before years. And Jesus says, if you're about to offer your gift, to the altar and then you remember your brother or sister has something against you you leave your gift there you go and make it right with your brother or sister then come back and offer your gift Jesus is kind of putting these things in perspective this thing that you thought was so important it was going to be this the thing that really mattered to God to offer this sacrifice and to have this religious moment Jesus is like wait 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 what matters to God is that you love your neighbor as yourself and if you've not been doing that and you've got a neighbor who's got something against you because you've been treating them like dirt. Let's go with dirt. Um, You need to go make that right. Then you can come back and make your gift at the altar. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Instead, the story from Jesus that I did include in your notes here is from Matthew chapter 21, where Jesus is, uh, is at the temple. This is near the end of his story. He is, he has entered into Jerusalem and been hailed as king. And now is the opportunity for people to recognize him as king and to trust him as king and follow him, and it's not happening. The religious leaders are challenging him at, at, every, at every level. And, um, and he's been answering their objections. And finally he says to him, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, and he answered, oh, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Of course, the one who he didn't say, he said he wouldn't go, but then he actually did. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Like, you're, you're the religious leaders. You're the folks who are trying to obey God, supposedly. 
You're the ones who make sure that you, you know, you, when you want to tithe, Jesus poked at him one time. He's like, you give your tenth to God. And you, you even make sure that you tithe on like when you harvest a little mint in the garden. You're like, oh, okay, there's 10 leaves. Got to take one, give it to God, right? I'm going to tithe on every, every bit of my increase here. It's like, you're so careful to follow all the rules, but then you miss the larger issues of justice and mercy. He says, you can do all the religious stuff. You can say all the right words, but then if you don't actually do what God calls you to do, you're not being the obedient son. You're not living with God as king. He says, these folks you've been looking down on, the tax collectors who have, who have uh, partnered with your Roman oppressors to collect taxes for them, the prostitutes who you've been looking down on forever, he says, these folks weren't doing the right stuff, but when God showed up and spoke and invited them into this new thing, they responded. They said, yes, and you have not. When God speaks, will we listen? Or will we rely on our sacrifices? Will we rely on our religious stuff? See, this is a message that's intended for all of us who are in the room, right? Which is good, because I'm here in the room talking. This is not the kind of message you go out and shout in the street, at those people out there somewhere. This is a message that God has for us, for his people. Those of us who might be tempted to rely on our religious observances, on our history of doing the right thing. We don't give out like Sunday school attendance pins. They did when I was a kid. And some of you, some of you have some of those in drawers or whatever, like perfect attendance pins you would get for showing up every Sunday for a year or whatever. God, God's not impressed by that stuff. He's not impressed by how much money you put in the box. Well, that's hugely helpful and it makes a difference in the world. You know, don't, don't stop. Don't stop showing up to church. Don't stop putting money in the box. Don't, don't stop doing the stuff. But in the balance of which matters more, if you've got to choose one or the other, God's real clear. He cares a whole lot more about your life, about your obedience, about doing what he's called you to do, than about doing the religious stuff. Because there are prostitutes and tax collectors out there. There are foreigners, orphans, widows. There are people out there who need to experience the love of God and the grace that he has given to you. And they need to experience it through you. And God is calling you to love them and calling you to be generous toward them and calling you to care about them. He's calling me to care about them. And if we're not, if we just show up on Sunday and sing our songs and pray our prayers and drink our little bit of juice and eat our little bit of cracker, then, but we don't love the people God has placed right in front of us that need his love. Do we think that God's going to say, well, you know, you mostly obeyed and that's good enough. That's not the story that we get today from Samuel and Saul. So what we are urged to do by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, and the therefore is pointing back to all he's been saying in chapter 11 and before this in his letter about God's mercy and goodness. And He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He's saying, you live your life devoted to God. You live your life given to him and to what he wants to do what he wants you to do. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
Don't let the soldiers, you know, push you along. Don't just follow along with culture. Don't just do whatever the people around you expect. And, you know, I mostly obeyed God, but I didn't want to look like a freak. You know, I, I mostly obeyed God, but I didn't want to stand out too much. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll be doing what Samuel demonstrated. We will be listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. And we'll be willing to do what he says. We will know what he wants us to do and we'll have the courage to do it. This is all made possible by the love God has shown us in his son, Jesus Christ. This is all made possible by the gift of his Holy Spirit. I mentioned before that Samuel had anointed Saul with the oil, and that that was like a picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out on Saul, and God's Spirit was with him. And I mentioned this last week too, that um, in those days, like the Holy Spirit only kind of was poured out on this person or that person here or there, this prophet, that king. That's not the time that we live in. We live in the time now where because of Jesus, all of us who are trusting in him, God says he pours out his Spirit on all people, young and old, men and women, does not matter. All of us are recipients of God's Holy Spirit, the life of God alive in you as you trust in Jesus Christ. That same Holy Spirit is the one that, that calls us to, to confess our sins and our failures to God and to receive his forgiveness. That Spirit is the one that, that reassures us that we are forgiven. As Scripture says, that, that uh, works with our spirit to say to God, Abba, Father, you are my dad. You have adopted me as your own. You have embraced me as your child. This same Holy Spirit is the one that guides us in this life. This, this same Holy Spirit is the one that guides you, that speaks to you, that when you sense God speaking to you, that's the Holy Spirit at work in you, nudging you to, to stop and talk to that person, to, to, to give them a little of your time, perhaps to give them a little bit of your resources. It's the Holy Spirit that nudges you saying, yes, I want you to devote yourself to this ministry or to this work, to this good thing, whatever it might be. It's the Holy Spirit that, that guides us and corrects us and, and helps us to see those areas of our life that we're not quite living up to who it is that God wants us to be for our families or for our neighbors or, or for our community, for our world. And it's that same Holy Spirit that gives us the, the energy, the strength, the resources that we need to do what God calls us to do. There's no need for any of us to follow the, the path of Saul. There's no need for any of us to go down that road where we're just saying to God, well, God, I mostly obeyed. I convinced myself that I'd done what you told me to do. Every single one of us, by God's Holy Spirit at work within us, with the support of our, of our Christian family, our brothers and sisters, we can do what God calls us to do. We can live in obedience to him. We can love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can love our neighbors as ourselves. As we do this, it's a beautiful thing because the world sees the ways that we then care about the foreigners, the orphans, the widows. They see the way that we care for those in need, and it's a testimony to God's love. This is a beautiful thing. Let's, let's go ahead and pray. Let's, let's bow our heads. God, thank you. Thank you for the love that you have for us and the love that you allow to flow through us into the lives of others. I pray, God, that you would help me and all of us who are gathered here today, all of us who are connecting online, I pray that you would help all of us to live with an openness to you that says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And as you speak, God, I pray that you would give us courage to trust you. 
that we would let you be king, that we would trust that if you're calling us to do something, you really will give us the ability to do it. God, so many times we convince ourselves that we're doing good enough. You know, we're, we're making our sacrifices. We're, we're doing our religious stuff. We're showing up. We're giving. We're, we're doing whatever it is. We convince ourselves that we're being obedient enough. Would you help us, God, to trust you fully? Would you help us, God, to not, to not stop short of the life that you know that we can live? God, I'm praying this for me just as much as I am for any, any of the rest of us. God, would you help us to fully trust you? It's so exciting when we allow your Holy Spirit to guide us into those moments where we get to be a part of your work in the world. We get to be a conduit for your grace flowing into the life of someone who desperately needs it. Help us, God, to live our lives with this openness to you, with this trust in you, so that we can all get to experience that as a, as a regular part of our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you for the joy, for the satisfaction, for the thrill that comes from participating with you in the good work that you are doing, bringing people hope, bringing people life. Thank you, God, for those who did that for us. Help us to be that now for someone else. Thank you, God, that today we get to celebrate this gift that you've given us, this gift of love in your son, Jesus Christ. We offer to you these simple little gifts of bread and juice, praying that by your spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood, the one who conquered sin and death, the one who overcame fear, the one who showed us what it looks like to live as a, as a living sacrifice wholly given to you, discerning your will, and then having the courage and the strength by your Holy Spirit to do it. God, today we offer you ourselves, confessing our failures, confessing our sins, and thanking you that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Thanking you that in your word you tell us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. And thank you for the continued work that you're going to do in us as we trust in you. You forgive our sins and you change us from the inside out into people who can live in this world as the body of Christ, continuing your good work. Thank you, God. We pray all this, not, not, not uh, having confidence in our own abilities, but having full confidence in your ability, in the work you've done in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Amen. Uh, I think next Sunday we're going to try to get back to coming forward for communion. Um, I know some of you have been eagerly awaiting that. We will still have the little cups up here in the basket. We were doing that before COVID, and we'll continue that after. Uh, so next Sunday you'll be able to come forward to receive communion. But today we're still going to use the, the little cups and everything on the, on the seats and on the tables. And so uh, if you're connecting with us online during this song, is a good time to gather your elements. If you haven't already, some bread, some juice are the closest equivalent. Uh, so let's pray and then let's celebrate together. Thank you, God, for the blessings that you've poured into our lives through your son, Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit that meets us here around his table. We remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he broke bread with his disciples. He took that bread, he gave thanks for it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. After the supper, he took the cup gave thanks, gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember, Lord Jesus, your sacrifice on our behalf and your victory over sin, death, and the devil. Thank you for sharing that victory, that life with us today so that we don't have to uh, live in rebellion against you. We don't have to live in kind of a half obedience. But God, we can live in full obedience to you and to your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for those opportunities this week when you are going to speak and you are going to give us the courage to trust you and we are going to have stories to tell of the ways that you are at work here in the world that we have gotten to be a part of. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.